It's time to get nerdy, y'all. A little bit of gaming history for you. Something relevant in gaming and discuss our opinions on it. Should we kick it out of here or should we kickstart it? This is the part where you, the listeners, try to stump the hosts. I'm not a lawyer, I just play one on a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, March 10th, 2020, and you know what that means. It's Super Mario Day, and also it's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 130 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary with here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, new surroundings. What's good, man? How you been? I have been... So, my life's just been crazy right now, Mr. Nice Guy. So, I'll start off by saying that uh, I did move, and the internet was not set up when I arrived at the new place, uh, which means that I spent the last week without any internet connections whatsoever. This would not, this hasn't been the first time I've been without internet, and uh, I'm sure it won't be the last. Uh, but it was definitely kind of the saddest, if I'm honest. But um, but I'm back, the return of the Mac, and now we've got a show to do. Aside from that, there are, I mean, so many things. It's a new place, new surroundings, um, new locality. I'm five hours farther away from you now, but I'm I'm back in the mountain time zone. Uh, sure. So that's something. Um, and uh, yeah, just so much interesting and exciting stuff going on. Dude, that's awesome. Well, can I tell you about my past week? Actually, two weeks since we didn't get to do it last week. Absolutely. Hit me with your best shot. Nice. Well, as you know, Mac, I did get to headline the Laughing Tap Comedy Club in Milwaukee yes. uh, two weekends ago, end of February, and it was an absolutely gorgeous, phenomenal, great experience. Um, I took a good friend of mine who is a local comedian here in Chicago uh, named Tyler. He featured for me. We went out. We hung up. Hung up? We hung out. Um, and he, we did the show. So there was one show Friday, one show Saturday. Friday show had a lot of people. Saturday show um, sold out which was absolutely amazing. And here's the coolest thing. There were a few people who listened to the podcast in Milwaukee uh, who came to hang out. So for those of you who came out, and I'm sure you're listening, thank you so much for coming. It was very, very cool to meet you in person. Um, Mac, it's a lot of fun, man. Um, headlining is, uh, it's, it's for me, the, the not the end game of comedy, but it's been something that I've been trying to reach for many years, and I've started doing it over the past couple years. Uh, and it's just a good feeling. The show is a lot more about you. You get to do a longer set. Um, you can talk about whatever you want. And it, it was a, it was a really good time. They treated us really well. Shout out to the Laughing Tap in Milwaukee. The guys and girls who run that club uh, are doing a phenomenal job. So as far as life stuff, that's the main thing that I wanted to share. Do you have anything else you want to uh, talk about? Sure. So uh, fun story. Mr. Nice Guy, when Mrs. The Mac and I were living back in Utah, we went to a place called um uh what was it bryce canyon at one point in time to help them with an astronomy event that was going on and because it was going to be a huge astronomy event they pulled in park rangers and volunteers from all over the southern utah region and uh one such ranger that we met his name was hunter and uh he was not from there but i don't know if we ever talked about where he was from but, uh, but anyway, we hit it off, we had a good time, we were on telescopes right next to each other, so it was, you know, real fun time. So when I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, the other, uh, the last week or so, I zipped on down to the Homestead National Monument, um, down there by Beatrice, Nebraska, okay. Okay. and I walk in at 9am because I had some time to kill, and who's behind the desk but this same dude? And there's that moment where, you know, you like, there's that murky depths of your brain where you're like, do I actually know this person or do they just look familiar? And uh, so at some point in time, uh, he says, oh, yeah, I came back here. And I was like, back here from where? And he says, Canyonlands, which is a park out there in uh, in southern Utah. And I said, I don't think I remember you from Canyonlands. I think I remember you from... Bryce Canyon and he's like oh my gosh it's you and I'm like it's you and then we had this fun really fun small world moment uh but uh but yeah 
there's a fun story to warm the cockles of your heart. Dude, that's a dope story. Um, I mean, it's no headline act at the Laughing Tap. No, but but it's it's cool. It's cool, man. Um, Is it a true story? That's my question for you. Absolutely. All my stories are true stories, especially the false ones. I believe it. Now, thank you, everyone in the chat who's saying thank you. and congratulations on the show. Now, for people who are in Illinois, I'll just say real quick. Um, I am closing out another show this week here in Illinois, this Thursday, um, at the Flapjack Brewery in Berwyn. It's a free show. You can come. You can hang out. It's going to be me and a few other comics hosted by a good friend of mine, another comic. So if you want to see me here in Illinois, come see that. And Mac, on that note, I say we stop talking about all the other stuff that has nothing to do with our t- podcast and hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think about that? Just try and stop me, because it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? It has. There's been a lot of cool stuff. We're going to talk about Reggie joining GameStop. We're going to talk about The Last of Us TV show, and even more. Because this is Two Nerds in a Pod, episode number 130, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Thank you, everyone who was here live and everyone listening after the fact. Um, Let's start off by talking about something that is purely a Maction story, and something I texted you when I saw it happen this past week. Mac can't remember, but he's going to remember because I'm going to read it. This is on GameSpot.com by Richard Wakeling. Uh, Black Mesa, the fan-made remake of the original Half-Life, has finally hit version 1.0 after 16 years in the making. A slight delay halted its exit from Steam Early Access by 24 hours, but the long-time labor of love from the developer Crowbar Collective is now officially released. It's been a long time coming, too, with the entire project originating as a mod for Half-Life 2 back in 2004, Mac. Black Mesa was initially scheduled for a late 2009 release, but was essentially pushed back until 2012 when a standalone version of the game launched as a free download. Um, it goes into details about what was in that game, but Mac, bottom line, one of the cooler games of all time um, being remade as a fan remake. What are your thoughts? You're going to play it? You hyped for it? You're going to be disappointed by it? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I've been following Black Mesa for a little while, and I believe when they made that release for the standalone game, uh, I did pick that up, and I played through it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. The attention to detail, the voice work, just so many good things about it in its earlier incarnation. And because I only got internet just today, just a few hours ago, I haven't been able to get on that yet. So you better believe I will, though. You better believe I will. Here's what I have heard through the grapevine, right? The word on the streets is that it is one of the better fan remakes ever. Um, what do you think? I know you haven't gotten into it, but you've, you've, you're familiar with it. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? Um, or do you think that it's getting blown out of proportion? I mean, I thought what I saw early on was very, very good news, so I wouldn't be surprised if that held true. Without having experienced it, though, I just couldn't say yet. Now, here's here's my um, thoughts on it, Mac. I know you're not into PvP, but it does have a PvP mode. In addition to the original Half-Life game being made... Um, not being a PvP guy, does PvP in a universe that you're in love with, you know, a Valve universe, make any difference as to your chances of playing the multiplayer? Running, running around, you know, as Gordon Freeman, shooting people. You know, not really, but that's just it, because I'm not a PvP guy. Yeah, well, here's the cool thing. The game is only 19.99, which in my opinion is a steal. Um, so anyone who's even remotely interested in this... I would recommend that you support this project. It's not often, Mac, that we get to see a fan-made project that takes this long to make and actually makes its way to completion and doesn't have to deal with any issues from the original developer. So I think this is a cool thing. I'm excited to try it out myself. Go pick it up on Steam. Um, Any last thoughts on that, Mac? Why aren't you picking it up on Steam already? Why didn't you? You should have done this 24 hours ago. You're right, I should have. And here's the thing. There has been so, so many games to play right now, so I just haven't been able to. Um, in fact, in my stream this week, I was talking to Ish Mobile. Um, actually, it was in his stream, and he was talking about how he downloaded it, but it wouldn't work. There was some kind of issue with the download or the bug. So I don't know if people are just downloading it in droves and it's hard to play or what's going on. But uh, I'll pick it up eventually, as many people in the chat are saying they will do. Welcome, by the way, everyone who's hopped in. Mac, next news story. This is a really cool one, and I'm excited about this. GameInformer.com, written by Matthew Cato. 
It says, The Last of Us writer slash creative director Neil Druckmann and acclaimed Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin are teaming up for an HBO series based on the hit video game The Last of Us. Naughty Dog president Evan Wells and Carol Strauss will also serve as executive producers, and the TV series will be the first from PlayStation Productions. Quote, Neil Druckmann is without question the finest storyteller working in the video game medium, and The Last of Us is his magnum opus, Mazin told Hollywood Reporter. Getting a chance to adapt this breathtaking work has been a dream of mine for years, and I'm so honored to do it in partnership with Neil. From the first time I sat down to talk with Craig, I was equally blown away by his approach to narrative and his love and deep understanding of The Last of Us, said Druckmann in a statement. Uh, it goes on to say, Mac, that although the shape, exact shape of the series is still coming together, the Hollywood Reporter says that the show covers the 2013 game and could feature content from this year's sequel, The Last of Us Part Two, which Druckmann directed and co-wrote. What do you think, man? High hopes for this game. One of the best games of all time. Definitely one of the best games of the past decade. Are they going to make a good show or is it going to be a flop, man? What do you think? Well, historically, it has been a rocky road with video game movies slash television shows. For some reason, people have struggled to make video games transition well to the medium of film. So, I don't know, cautiously optimistic because they've got people with uh, very close ties to the original subject matter being a part of it. Uh, but I'm always skeptical when I hear video game and movie or TV series in the same sentence. Yeah, I agree 100%, man. But here's here's the thing. Um, I like that Neil Druckmann has a hand in it, right? So it's not like, um, like one of those things where, yeah, we'll sell you the rights to make a show. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure, we'll, we'll, I don't know what the deal was, but if it's them selling them the rights, it's also saying, but I'm going to be there and work on this and I'm going to approve the scripts and I'm going to make sure that my work of art is preserved. Yeah, it feels more like some kind of an in-house project. Yeah, I agree 100%. So I'm excited for it. Now, here's something that I always said about The Last of Us when I was playing it. I always felt like it was like playing a video game movie, Mm -hmm. right? And it was one of those games that I could, when I put down, I was constantly thinking about the characters and wondering what was going to happen next. And so I, I hope that they stay true to that feel. Um, and that the show ends up being a success. So it'll be cool to see what happens. Um, let's move on to our next news story. So much awesome stuff this week. Mac's favorite video game. Just came out with a free mode this week. Uh, this is on GameSpot.com by Kevin Knezevic. I hope I got that name right. It says, Call of Duty Warzone has arrived. The free-to-play Battle Royale game is available to download now on PS4, Xbox One, and PC if you own a copy of Modern Warfare. If you don't, you'll be able to download it from your platform's perspective digital store at 12 p.m. Pacific time. So this was written earlier today. It is now available for all players, and I'm downloading it right now myself. Uh, It says, if you're up to date on Modern Warfare updates, Warzone will weigh in between 18 and 22 gigabytes, and it'll replace the classified panel in the game's main menu. If you're a new player, however, the download will be significantly larger. You'll need 83 to 101 gigabytes of space to install it. Here's the cool thing, Mac. Warzone is completely free to download for everyone. You don't need to have Modern Warfare to play it, but here there are some benefits to owning the 2019 shooter. Um, So it says it has cross-progression if you own the game and blah, 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 blah. Um, Bottom line, Mac, this is another free-to-play Battle Royale, and it is cross-play. I'm a fan of cross-play. You you got any thoughts on it? I know you're not into PvP, but... Uh, the whole premise of being able to game with PC and console. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I like it. It would be nice if crossplay were something that was implemented in the types of games that I do like. But beyond that, I have nothing to say about Call of Duty in this segment. Just wait till Legal Ease, though. It's all have some things to say about it. Because you and I are always trying to find a game that we both will want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, if people watch my Twitch stream, they would assume that I only like shooters. I really like all kinds of games, but Mac does not like shooters and does not like PvP. So we've struggled for it to, for months to try to find a game we'd both like. And I always say, anytime there's a game that's free like this, I'm like, Mac, you gotta give it a shot, man. And today I was like, you know what, I'm not even gonna do that, because I know he's not gonna want to play it, because it's not your thing. It'd be like if you tried to convince me to speedrun Chasm, just not my thing. Um, so eventually we'll find that game. Today is not that day. Um, and that's okay, let's move on to our next news story. Um, about another 
Mario story. Now, Mac, did you understand what I meant in the intro when I said today is Super Mario Day? Yeah, March 10th. M-A-R-1-0. Mario. Yeah, exactly. And and as a part of this, um, Nintendo and Levi's are doing a collaboration. Um, Here's what it says. This story is from IGM by Wesley LeBlanc. It says, Nintendo and Levi's denim collection has just revealed or has been revealed to include overalls, pants, jackets, and more. This would be a much more effective story with the picture. Um, But it says, Levi teased a collaboration with Nintendo last week on Twitter, and now we know exactly what this collaboration will look like. Featuring subtle overalls and not-so-subtle pants, shorts, and jackets, Levi said in a tweet that this collaboration will be available April 1st. The collection was aptly announced on March 10th, which is also Super Mario Day. You can take a look at the clothes below. So if you're listening to this, you can have to Google it. But Mac, basically, they're selling um, Levi's overalls that have little coins that look like they're coming out of the pocket. Um, they're selling hoodies that have like just a big like a collaboration of like all the Mario characters, Toad, Princess, all the Goombas, all the Bowser characters just on a big sweatshirt. Um, and then it looks like some pants that look like pajama pants and shorts. Like, other than t-shirts, do you buy video game-themed clothing? Has that ever been something you're into? No, not really. If I feel like I want something from a video game, I'll make it from Perlers, mostly. Um, although, I do know that in the future coming up here, I will likely be adding some, you know, stuff to the walls here in this room that are video game-themed. But, uh, so maybe I'll be buying some stuff that, but... Not really, Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, it's never really been my... I mean, I'm right now I'm wearing a Splinter Cell shirt. But, but that, it's, it's, that, you didn't buy that. We got no, that I, from yeah, awesome that. people and for being, I would argue, awesome people ourselves. I would, I would agree with that as well. Um, now, it is, uh, it is more subtle, right? It's not super loud. And no one would even know what this is unless they know what Splinter Cell is. I'm not really into big, loud clothing. I'm just not at that point in my life. But I think this is very cool. Now, if they released some Super Mario-themed Nikes, I would be all over that. Got to keep the sneaker game clean. Um, let's move on to the next news story. This is about a classic game that I'm kind of excited for. Um... And this is on IGN.com by Matt Kim. It says, Rumors for a new Tony Hawk Pro Skater have resurfaced thanks to another leak. Let me know in the chat if you guys are hyped for a Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake. If you played that old N64 or PlayStation game. It says, uh, This time from a band that claims to have licensed songs for a new game in the series. In a now-deleted Facebook post, a band called The Death Set seemingly revealed that They licensed five new songs for a Tony Hawk 2020 game. They also said that you'll be hearing it soon. Um, So I'm looking at this Facebook post from them, and it literally says just that, Mac. It says, just licensed five new songs to Tony Hawk 2020 game. You'll be hearing this stuff soon. Uh, While there's no confirmation of a new Tony Hawk Pro Skater game, this is the latest offhand mention of a Pro Skater game. Mac, did you play the old school game on uh, on N64 and PlayStation? I'm, I'm guessing the answer is no. Mets girl was very blunt in the chat. She's like, son, I'm not even excited for that, (laughs) which is cool. It's not for everyone. So my understanding of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games came from actually either A, having demo discs of it available, because uh, back in those days, you would get, you know, demo discs sometimes with other games and often with the monthly periodicals. But yeah. uh, but is mostly that, and I want to say that one of my brothers was kind of into Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Of course, he was also kind of into skating in general, so I think he did some playing of that, but not so much me, although I know enough about it. I mean, Tony Hawk was one of those athletes that kind of transcended, uh, transcended their sport. You knew who he was even if you weren't into his sport. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It's kind of like Muhammad Ali or Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, right? He's, he was more of an icon. Now, here's what I will say. Having played the original games, they were fantastic. And they were some of the better games on Nintendo 64. So I hope that if they remake them, that they do a good job with it. And I'll leave it at that. Um, last news story, Mac. It's not going to have much discussion, but I feel like we should note that Horizon Zero Dawn is officially coming to the PC this summer. Um, PlayStation, and this is on Game Informer by Brian Shea, PlayStation's head of Worldwide Studios, Herman Holst, today announced via the PlayStation blog that this game is coming to PC. Um, Not much other information is available, but um, he says we'll have more details soon. So I, I will say just as a general note, I think it's dope that we're starting to see 
um, exclusives that were previously only on one console come to another one and increase the player base um, and, and potentially pave the way for a sequel in this great franchise that's on PlayStation. Mac, that's been our news for the week, man. Over to you, buddy. All right. Well, now that we've looked around us, let's look back into the past with some video game history. Uh, first, I have to mention that since we recorded last, we lost, and I'm going to butcher the name, uh, no disrespect meant, uh, but um, Kazuhisha Hashimoto. Uh, he was the creator of the Konami Code. Oh, thank you. Yeah. He, so, yeah, rest, yeah. up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Select start. Okay. You know, I, I don't have it in my brain. I have it in muscle memory, you know? It's okay. It's okay. I, I couldn't tell you off the... I, I'm As clearly, I can't tell you what the Konami code is, but I can input it, no problem. Point being, you're a legend, and we're sad to have you, uh, to have you no longer with us, but respect, sir. Let's talk about... The game Ninja Gaiden, though. Ooh, classic. Released in 2004 for the original Xbox. I had heard of people breaking controllers before, right? It's something that, you know, that is like, I got so mad I broke a controller. But this is the first video game that I actually saw that happen. It was just madness. Now, the original uh, Ninja Gaiden for the Xbox uh, was pretty darn difficult. And on a very difficult moment, I watched just someone, you know, crank on that thumbstick trying to pull off a maneuver and snap it straight off. And so while it wasn't sort of what you would imagine as a breaking a controller in half with your bare hands, it absolutely broke the controller in an irrevocable way. So I still count it. And uh, with a thumbstick having been broken off of the Xbox controller, we called it a day and went outside. Um, those, that's my memory of Ninja Gaiden released for Xbox, but as I was, you know, digging around in some of the history, I came up with a few other nuggets that I want to throw at you, Mr. Nice Guy, as well as fellow listeners. So, um, they started work on this game in 1999, developing it for the Dreamcast, and because the Dreamcast was killed in 2001 while they were still working on the game, um, they knew that they needed to release it for a different uh, system. And so that led to an online poll on Konami's uh, uh, you know, uh, website at the time saying, what do you... And the quote that they, they said, where do you want to play the new Ninja Gaiden game? And in response, the gaming public, just in general, said that they wanted it released for the Nintendo Dreamcast. Um, and so it was, and it wasn't by a small margin. It was like crazy. It was like of the sev- you know bunch of options that were on there, yeah. it was like a lead of thirty percent for the uh, for the Nintendo uh, or not. Sorry, not the Nintendo Dreamcast. The Nintendo GameCube. My bad. Sorry, thinking two things at the same time. Uh, but it was like a lead of 30%. But apparently, the software development kits that were released for the original Xbox uh, that Team Ninja had been had their hands on were pretty impressive because in spite of the overwhelming support for the GameCube release, they decided to go with the Xbox, um, which apparently... Um, revisiting some old, old message boards thanks to the Wayback Machine... Um, people got pretty darn, you know, crazy and heated about that. But um, they released two sets of free DLC for the game uh, called Hurricane Packs, released via Xbox Live. Um, Now, in case you were wondering, the later re-release of Ninja Gaiden as Ninja Gaiden Black incorporated those Hurricane Packs, as it were. But there were three other really cool things about this in the form of three worldwide high score events that people were invited to play in with swords, physical swords given as grand prizes. I mean, it's not a diamond studded chalice like the adventure games that we talked about, you know, uh, about a month or so ago. But, you know, for a prize, that's still sure as heck 
has an edge. Yeah, that's so, pretty dope. Has an edge. I like that. Yeah. Man. That's pun. So you don't uh, you don't see a lot of you know uh, game competitions like that for the release of a game uh, all that often. I they're definitely they've definitely been dying out in years because uh, I haven't heard of anything like this. But by gosh lovely lovely stuff now there was some hubbub about the competition um people claiming that like you know the uh the promotions around it were bungled and so people didn't get their chance to get entered into the competitions the way that they wanted to but you know that all being said uh it's still something that i kind of wish we had more of to this day but there is a little bit of gaming history for you about Ninja Gaiden for the original Xbox. Now, one quick correction, because I was wrong. You were 100% right about the Konami code. Spenis uh, corrected us in the chat. There was no select in the uh, the Konami code. It was simply um, start. Up, oh. down. Mm-hmm. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Be a start. Which makes sense, because I imagine if you press select on a title screen, probably would have uh, select messed it up, right? It would have gone from like one player to two players or something like that, so... You were right, I was wrong. My mistake. I'm thrilled to be right for once. But that's what we had for video video game history. Cool. Well, it's time for our next segment, um, a segment we like to call the Topic of the Week, where we talk about something relevant in gaming and give our opinions on it. Now, this one's a pretty big one. This is directly from GameStop.com. This is a news release, uh, and it says, From Grapevine, Texas, March 9th, 2020, Um, GameStop Corporation today announced it has appointed three new independent members to its board of directors. Joining the company's board are Reginald Reggie Fisame, Will Bill Simon, Simon, and James J.K. Semancic. Mr. Simon and Mr. Semantic appointments are effective immediately. Mr. Fisame's appointment will be effective April 20th, 2020. GameStop's board also announced a number of corporate governance enhancements, (laughs) implementing new guidelines for board tenure and committee refreshment also effective immediately. The appointments of um, Messrs. Fisame, oh, Misters, Fisame, Simon, and Semek to the GameStop board are the result of a comprehensive search process led by the board of directors and involving shareholder input. Mac, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there was kind of a cool tweet from Reggie where he, he basically said, GameStop, the gaming industry benefits from a strong GameStop. Um, being around, right? And he's happy to join the board of directors and hopes he can help turn things around. What do you think? Well, number one, Reggie, can he help turn this around? And number two, does the gaming industry still need GameStop, man? Okay. So, I think that Reggie could certainly help. Um, with his time being at Nintendo, I feel like he probably has some pretty good ideas on where the games industry is going and how to help GameStop ride that wave, even though it is changing directions. Um, But does the games industry need GameStop? I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit agnostic on that point. I was going to say, now, I would have thought you would have taken a different stance um, simply because, you know, we're constantly talking about the need for physical hardware and how games get preserved that way. And a lot of what GameStop does is is just that, right? They sell physical games. Um, But so does Amazon, right? So does Best Buy. So does Walmart. So does your local mom and grop shop. So I guess I... I don't know if the gaming industry really needs GameStop anymore. Um, When I am looking for a new game, I often wait a week or two just because I'm cheap, and then I'll look up Wario64 on Twitter and I'll look for where the best game deal is. 99% of the time, that place is not GameStop, right? Um, So even though I like physical copies over digital because I want to be able to show them to my grandkids someday, I don't know if we need GameStop anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of my stance. Now, before we leave this conversation of GameStop, I will say I hung on to an interesting piece of information uh, just for this moment. And that is to say that, Mr. Nice Guy, when I was living in Omaha, I, uh, I, I had a moment of weakness. And I thought, you know what might be cool? It might be cool to take a part-time job for a few months at... A GameStop because there There's was nothing one. Nothing wrong with that. Because there There's was one a block that. away, Mister Nice Guy, and they had an opening for a manager, and so I applied, 
and I applied pretty soon as to when we got there in, you know, in Omaha. Sure, so sure. We're talking like beginning of November type, you know, type stuff. Yeah, I, I got there yeah. pretty soon. Anyway, the day that I arrived here a week and a day ago and, you know, we had moved, we were all done with that. Uh, I get a phone call from GameStop. They're like, hey, so we were wondering if you wanted to come in and do an interview for this manager position. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys, I've moved five hours away. Well, uh, to be honest with you, that's a red flag. And that it took them that long to get in touch with you. And I'm not saying that's indicative of the whole uh, organization, but wow, that's crazy. Well, we've got some really good input from people in the chat on this topic. Um, let's see. So, so Ishmobile doesn't even know where a GameStop, the nearest GameStop, is. Yeah. But uh, Games Rolf says I did from time to time, but the game store closed, only selling the inventory online these days. And Spenis thinks that Reggie's knowledge of the industry and thinking of entertaining ways to help the franchise change direction, kicking butt, taking names, and changing the way they experience buying games. So Spenis very much thinks that Reggie's going to be a positive influence here. Yeah, and so Ralph's comment about how he used to buy games was in reference to my question in the chat about do you do you guys and girls even buy physical games anymore in person? Because you can do it online so much easier. Now, Mets Girl made some good comments. She said GameStop is for Think Geek Nerdware now, which is true. They are they are diversifying, right? They're starting to do retro games. They're starting to sell uh, shirts and rings and backpacks and stickers. Um, and then Ish, yeah, Ish said he doesn't even buy games in person. Mets Girl said that her son loves physical copies. It's a great place for exchanging, especially for kids, which is a good point. A lot of kids want to exchange their old games. They're done with them. They're just going to collect dust. They get some trading credit. They can get something new, right? And so, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we saw someone tweeted a picture of a local GameStop that had kind of pivoted directions and it seemed more like a community gaming space than it did a game store. Yeah, so it looked like they were going to start doing birthday parties, um, having a little corner where you could, you know, try games out, um, doing a lot of things like that, which Mac, I'll be honest, I really don't think that we need that for um, at a GameStop, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I just don't know if I would use it. Maybe there's a lot of people who would. But I, I feel like that's just not really a thing anymore. Um, that's just me. But I will say this about Reggie. I think if anyone can save GameStop, or not single-handedly, but if anyone can join the board and make a good contribution, it is him. He's a, he's a very intelligent man. He's hardworking. He knows more about the game industry than all of us. Um, and led Nintendo for, for many, many years. So I think that his departure from Nintendo will give him adequate time to work on something like this and to really say, hey, I have a pulse on the industry. I know what gamers want. Um, I know how we can make this a more appealing place, both as a hangout if they decide to do that, and more importantly, as a business where people make it their primary purpose for purchasing games. So, purchasing games. So, Mac, that's all I have, man. You got anything else on that topic before we continue? Not really, but I do have a Kickstarter, or maybe it's a bit of a blast from the past kind of Kickstarter that I want to talk about. So, Mr. Nice Guy, do you remember Go Dice by chance? I do not. Okay, now we talk a lot. We talk about a lot of different Kickstarters and crowdfunding subjects, so I wouldn't be surprised if the name didn't ring it. But what about if I said described it as an internet or at least device connected set of game dice? Oh, I do remember this. Yeah. Yes. You, yes. You were a big fan of it, and you were yes. like, "Yes, yes, this would be great." Me, I was a bit more skeptical, and I was like, "You know, I just don't know." And I still have those skeptical thoughts about Go Dice. Um, the idea that we could roll a dice in whatever form, whether that's a D twenty, D ten, D six, or what have you, and have it show up on a computer screen or on a tablet or work with other things was a, a sort of thing that I was like, well, I, that could be interesting, but what purpose does it really serve? Um, and I still maintain that I am skeptical about it on account of the fact that if you are, you know, unless you are perfectly symmetrically in all three dimensions, cramming your electronics into your dice, then you are n screwing up the randomness of the die. You are weighting it by building it up. But all that being said, 
um, the Go Dice Kickstarter closed and was an overwhelming success. They raised $442,000 back in January on Kickstarter. Are you clapping? That's You're me clapping. clapping. That's fantastic, dude. That's dope. I got to know, how much did it cost for a set of dice on the Kickstarter? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was like $100 if you wanted a set of playing dice. Um, it might have been more. Uh, and by playing dice, I mean like the D4, 6, 8, 10, 12, and 20. Um, but it might have been even more than that. Um it was nonetheless it was a tidy sum for a set of dice that would theoretically connect um digitally to display your scores from a physical set of dice that you had that's crazy so but with that being said they also have an indiegogo page as well so the kickstarter page has closed and they raised that four hundred and forty two thousand, and the indiegogo page is rocking and rolling And here's where I am going to say I don't know, but the Indiegogo page says that they've raised 454,000. Now, I don't know if what they did was they put the 442,000 from the initial Kickstarter thing and put it on their total there, or if they have, in fact, really raised an additional 454,000 on Indiegogo. So they might be either close to half of a million or close to a full one million dollars. Is it is it funds. possible for us to link the Indiegogo um, just um, for the people who? If not, it's no big deal. I unfortunately, just, I didn't come prepared with that's that. Okay. And no, I don't want to. You're good, bro. You're good, bro. Don't but, worry about it. But nonetheless, it should be easy enough to find for those inquiring minds. Um, so if you still want to get in on it, you can. Again, I am very skeptical. I'm not. You know. I'm not about that life, but uh, because keep in mind, you're not about that life. Yes, that's that's your that's exactly something you would like. That's the kind of thing. If I was buying you a birthday, I'd be like, you know what? This is a Mac is about this dice life. I would. That's what I would get for you is something like that. I actually I shy away from expensive dice. Uh, There are so many different types of dice that you can purchase. They are they are expensive. They are pretty, but I shy away from them because I feel like. Uh, I feel like that is a type of strange sort of luxury item that that I don't need. Um, uh, But I will say that for anybody who thinks that they want to get one of these, do keep in mind that just because you have the option of having the D20, you know, connected to the computer or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that it will play nice with whatever gaming programs you might be playing tabletop RPGs online with. Uh, You would need the, you know, you would need the API access or what have you. So just because it can happen doesn't mean it will happen with a program in a meaningful way. Just throwing that out there. Let me tell you, Mets Girl's in the chat. She's a friend of the stream and has her own stream. Mac, let's shout out her stream. Remind me the name. It's um, leaving me at the moment. Oh, oh, so, um, well, there are three podcasts that she's yeah. uh, a part of. One is uh, one is Beholder's Eye. It's a D&D 5th uh, edition uh, podcast. They're in their second season now. Um, the other is uh, LCP D&D, I do believe. I think it has more of an Old Westy um, type of feel to it within D&D. And then another one called podcast called The Help Desk, which is basically it's a uh, you know a helpful technology uh, podcast. So and and the reason I mentioned that she's here is because she commented when I said I'd get you something like this, and she said real dice in all caps. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe that's viewed as the authentic way of doing things for D and D players. Uh, but that she, said, mm-hmm. and she ahead, says get him pretty metal dice. Um, I would decline gemstone dice personally, but metal dice, I don't... Oh, yeah, sorry. It's service desk, not help desk. My bad. Well, here's here's what I will say. Um, and sorry if we're dropping frames. That doesn't really happen that much. Um, in fact, we're not. We're just, we're just lagging a little bit. Um, here's what I will say, where I would think that this would be a useful type of dice. Mac, remember when we went to go play D&D last time when you were here? Yeah. And the dungeon master was talking about how he had been doing another game with some players... And he let them all roll on their own, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and this one guy showed up to the game in person and said, oh yeah, I rolled a 20 for all of my stats. Do you remember that? Yes, uh, you're exaggerating a little bit, but yeah, that was the general thing is it was, you know, the stats were way too high on average. Right, and so in my mind, you could do a live roll where everyone is at their home and you could roll using these types of dice and then you know that people aren't cheating. You know what I mean? You and then could. when you get together for your in-person game, you know that everyone's stats are really authentic and that no one was lying like that guy. You could, but again, the thing is that that's you would still need something that supported it. The software would be the, uh, you know, the software would be the thing. And and who's making the software? Where does the software come from? And and this Indiegogo is at the current moment only going, or I mean the Kickstarter and everything, the Go Dice, they're only going so far as to basically do Yahtzee and a few other things. Um, and and I'm pretty darn sure, ninety nine percent sure that they are that while they say that through their app it's going to support online gameplay, it's like somebody still has to you know do that somebody still has to has to do it and i mean and you know even though they say there's going to be a, an api that's available for you it's still something that needs to be done so just want people to go in their eyes wide open that while this will and can have a you know a group connected gameplay type of thing going for it just because it can do it doesn't mean that that's going to be available and you know just temper your expectations is what i'm getting at here cool well as i said before when we talked about this the first time i think this should be uh kickstarted and it sounds like it has been and i hope that they succeed it's a cool unique idea the mob has spoken it has been kickstarted but uh but nonetheless you still if you want in on that the indiegogo means that you can get a you can still get it you know what i mean you can still get in on that yeah, so fantastic. Um, so yeah, that was kicker kickstart. Now, Mr. Nice Guy. Yes, sir. Now is that very special time of the show where we get to flex our nerdy muscles. That's right. In a little something that we call nerd flex. Woo-hoo. And after last time, um, you had given you know uh, three questions for me. I have tailored three questions for you, and I have selected three of what I think are, if not your favorite games, your favorite franchises. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm ready to uh, to put the hurt on you if you are ready to show me just how knowledgeable you are. Now, here's the thing. I am very knowledgeable. I reserve the right to get zero of three questions right because in the moment, my brain turns off. Okay. I just forget stuff. I just can't get trivia. But I'm going to give it my all and hopefully get at least two of these right. Um, so let's do it, Mac. All right. Question number one concerns the game Hollow Knight. That was me doing a drum roll. Go oh, for okay. it. So, <clears throat> Hollow Knight is the is for question one. Um, this concerns uh, the Hollow Knight Kickstarter process. It says, which oh of the following rewards was not offered as a part of Hollow Knight's Kickstarter okay. uh, incentives? A, a digital comic based on the game. B, design an ability c appear as a spirit in the game or d design a dungeon okay um this is tough so here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go with the ones that i think make sense a comic and here's here's the thing too i did not buy it on kickstarter um but i can still use some process of elimination to get this right so i don't think i think that there was a comic um Simply because it is such an art, uniquely artistic game, I think that Team Cherry, who made the game, that should have been the question, Mac. Who made the game? Team Cherry. I know that one. Um, Team Cherry probably said, you know, if this art style is so unique, let's let's give them a comic. I think that was probably one. Um, I immediately think that building a dungeon is not one of them, just because that is such a complicated thing to do. And it's not something that I believe they would outsource to someone just because they donated a lot of money. So that's my first instinct. Now, the other two options Now, now were... Mr. Nice Guy, let me just say that uh, that while, you know, designing a dungeon does sound a crazy thing to be outsourced, never have I ever in a Kickstarter seen them permit a design something that didn't actually say, 
work with our designers to okay, put, okay. put your vision in there. So, okay, you know, enough. so just because I say design a dungeon doesn't mean that it didn't have that fine print. So. Like you can go off and design a dungeon, send it to us, and then that's probably not what it meant. Okay. Yeah. And then the other two, one was um, appear as a spirit in the game, mm-hmm. and what was the other one? Design an ability for the game. Okay, I'm pretty sure that that was one of them. Design an ability. Okay. Um, I think the comic book was, and I'm trying to think, appear as a spirit. I'm pretty sure the one that was not was either design a dungeon or appear as a spirit. But I feel like you kind of gave me a hint when you said, uh, (laughs) I'm trying to read your poker face right now. Um, Can't read my, can't read my poker face. We're going to edit that out, uh, Lady Gaga. Um, I'm going to stick with design a dungeon. Final answer. Even though you kind of said that that may be one of them because you gave me that clarifying point, I'm still going to go with design a dungeon as one of them. Okay, well, it's good of you to uh, to guess that way, you know, to think that I was trying to throw you off the trail, and that's what I thought you would think. You are wrong. It was design what? an ability. Seriously? Yep, everything else. Uh, Digital comic, appear as a spirit, and work with the designers to design a dungeon was all part of the Kickstarter rewards. But dang. designing a, an ability was not something for uh, that was there. So Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Question number two concerns NBA 2K17. Oh, here we go. Going back okay. three years. Let's do it. Which U.S. band from Las Vegas was a part of crafting the soundtrack for NBA 2K17. Was it Grimes? Was it Mumford and Sons? Was it Imagine Dragons? Or was it D, Portugal, the man? It was Imagine Dragons, final answer. Final answer? Final answer. Okay. And and why do you say Imagine Dragons? Because they had some songs in the game, I remember. Hmm. Mm. It's a good call. It's a good call. It's wrong, however. No, it's not. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because Imagine Dragons is not from Las Vegas, Mr. Nice Guy. That boy, would be if I grimes. could jump through this computer right now and strangle you out, Mac, I tell you what, boy, I would wipe that smile right off your face. It's not Imagine Dragons. Let's look up Imagine Dragons. Pop band. Where are they from, though? They're from Las Vegas, Nevada. I apologize, Mr. Nice Guy. I wrote it down wrong. You Mac are right. Is out here. Imagine Mac is Dragons. Out here trying to cheat. I told you. I told you. Hey, no, I will admit when I am wrong, dude. I am wrong. Imagine Dragons is correct. You are right. I'm sorry. In trans, I just finished moving, Mr. Nice Guy. What's? That's oh, my excuse. On. She just said oof levels. Did I yell too much? I apologize, Chat. I'll, I'll whisper a little bit. I'm sorry about that. No worries. But it's, uh, but yeah, so, uh, good on you, Mr. Nice Guy. I must have screwed that up in formatting when I was copying and stuff. So, my bad, my bad. You are now one for two, sir. Let's do it. One more and I get my two for two. I will try not to yell into my mic again, y'all. One more and you'll get your two for three. Let's do it. So, uh, question number three concerns Splinter Cell 3 Chaos Theory. Chaos Theory was the first game in the franchise to use what feature? Is it A, Ragdoll Physics? It's it's Ragdoll it, Physics. Uh, do you want to hear the rest of the the rest of the options or do you want to double down on Ragdoll Physics? It's either something with Ragdoll Physics or lighting, but I'm pretty sure um it's ragdoll physics, so let's hear the rest of them. Okay, B, the stealth meter, C, night vision, or D, the silenced FN 5.7 pistol. Nope, you had the silenced pistol throughout other games. It's Splinter Cell, right? It's a stealth game. You obviously had the stealth meter, because it's a, it's a stealth game. Um, and what was the other one? Um, stealth meter, night vision, uh, silenced FN 5.7 pistol, and then the one that you were convinced about, which was ragdoll physics. Yeah, it's ragdoll physics. Final answer. And you are correct, Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, but let's of course get it. you're correct. So, uh, so tell me, Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. Um, you went two for three. 
congratulations. Yes, sir. You Thank have you. proved that you can do it with the best of them. I just, I think the, the real take home message here, everybody, is that Mr. Nice Guy knows his stuff, but for some strange reason, people keep sending questions in that are just tailored to me. So <laughs> we need to tailor some of these to Mr. Nice Guy because he's not going to, because he knocked it out of the park here. Send questions in to both of us. We both like answering questions. Matt, good questions this week, man. Yeah. But anyway, we'll continue. We have like, what, two more segments and then we're done? Uh, No, just one. The legalese. Legalese. <laughs> we are going to talk about a little something called GI Bro. Um, this is uh, Huffman v. Activision Blizzard, and it's going on right now. So the suit was originally filed in the Eastern Di- District of Texas back in um, uh, back in uh, February of last year. You know. Um, a professional wrestler known as Robert Booker T. Huffman filed suit against Blizzard for what he claimed was the use of his, of his likeness, uh, or sorry, of the likeness of a copyrighted comic book character known as G.I. Bro in the game Call of Duty Black Ops 4 without his permission. Specifically, it's the spe- specialist known as Prophet uh, in that game. So, in response to the suit, the initial request from Activision Blizzard was to, number one, request the court dismiss uh, the lawsuit for improper venue, arguing that they do not reside and cannot be found in the East District of Texas, alongside a request that if the court won't dismiss, at least they move it to the Central District of California's court, which is where the company, air quotes, resides. So... That right there, I could go on for hours about what is going on with the East District of Texas. Um, there are some very interesting legal things that go on there with regard to uh, intellectual property law that are, are reason for which that people like to do their stuff in the East District of Texas. But for time, I will skip over that. Um and instead, just focus on uh, on what's going on in the in the case and 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 who has you know who's claimed what. So one really cool and interesting thing about it is that if you look at the case, and again you can find it on Huffman v. Activision Blizzard, um, they have a side by side look of the Prophet character and the uh, and GI Bro, and they look very very similar um and so it is something that might actually wind up going there but what i want to point out um and and the uh, judge said no to activision's motion to dismiss right they 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 are going to hear it in the uh in the west district of texas but what i really want to do is i want to read to you this glorious thing from uh paragraph 12 in the actual suit itself called uh, under the heading factual background so paragraph 12 Booker T. Huffman and, and this please keep in mind is a legal document Booker T. Huffman oh, sorry Huffman has led a blessed life born in Louisiana and raised in inner city Houston he learned as a young man that he had to live his life with no excuses and that he was responsible for his own actions and decisions air quotes Legend does not do justice in describing Booker T's wrestler career as a wrestler. He is famous for winning the world champion title while wrestling in the WCW circuit not once but five times. Booker T is often ranked among the top five heavyweight wrestlers in history. It goes on. But it is glorious. The next paragraph 13 is equally delightful. But I have to say, without reservation and without uh, a- a- and without any sort of uh, uh, sarcasm, that never before, and I think never again, will a factual background in a legal brief ever bring me as much, as, as just as much delight and giddy joy as this has. So, to whomever was responsible for this crafting of glorious bit of le- of legal speak. Uh, bless you for making all of our days. 
and uh, you know, I it is uh, Mets girl is correct. It's it is it is it is Booker. So um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, that is just a little bit of legalese. Sometimes some legal cases can bring a smile to your face and a spring to your fantastic well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls this has been episode number 130 of two nerds in a pod thank you so much for tuning in before we go we have one last segment we like to do called what we've been watching and what we've been playing where we talk about just that the cool nerdy stuff we've been watching on youtube on netflix on hulu other places too, and also the cool games we've been playing on consoles, PCs, mobile, everywhere. Um, if you're here live, you have a job to do, let us know what you have been watching and playing, because we're always looking for cool nerdy stuff to get into. Mac, what games and shows have you been into lately? Um, nothing. Ah, fair enough. I, for the past couple of weeks, have had basically no internet and no television, and cell service is spotty at best. I can do text messages as long as it's, you know, the timing is not uh, vital. But uh, so, yeah, I haven't played anything or watched anything, except I have played a few uh, rounds of fifth edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons out here as I've found some people who were interested and willing to get together. So uh, we'll see if that continues into the future. But it was a delightful, uh, a delightful game playing experience for Mrs. The Mac and I, because yes, Mrs. The Mac joined me for it. Nice. Was this at a card shop or where was this at? Um, yeah. So there is a uh, there is basically a collectibles shop uh, about twenty five miles away or so, and yeah, there were a few other people. Um, the shop owner basically put me in touch with them uh, because I was like, I'm a nerd, and he's like, So are we all? And it was it was good times though. Nice. Uh, well, as far as what I have been into, Mac, I did. I was going to go do D&D this past Saturday, but something came mm-hmm. up. I can't remember what it was. I actually reached out to the dungeon master of that game that we went to, and he said the game is still going on. Um, so I probably will try to go this week. Um, I don't know what it is. I just have a huge desire to play it more. It's a lot of fun, man. It's so much fun. And I was just telling people in the chat, I just discovered this awesome D&D stream on Twitch called Quests in Chaos. Um, typically when you watch a Dungeon and Dragon stream on Twitch, it's like a couple people who are super energetic and then a bunch of people who are introverted. That's just been my experience. This is like a whole crew of people that seem to be like sincerely good friends. They're all really into the game. Everyone's contributing. Um, they're actually live right now. And so I may hop over there after this is over. But, uh, yeah, that's one thing I've been watching a lot of. Um, as far as TV shows, Better Call Saul, Mac. He is a genius, man. He's he's a straight up hustler, man. It's mm-hmm. it's cool to see the things that he and um, the other character on the show Kim do, uh, and how they they get over on people and and do do funny stuff that wouldn't be funny in real life, but it's funny. Oh, on TV. At what point in the series are you currently? Um. So I don't. So spoiler alert: if anyone has not watched it, go ahead and mute the show or uh, oh, well, do whatever. You just what season? Uh, season four. Okay, okay. So toward towards the end, I'm on, like, episode eight. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool. So, yeah, I've been watching that. Um, what have I been playing? I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends and bouncing around between the games on Game Pass just to test out the graphical settings of this PC. Um, so I've been playing a little bit of Metro, um, the most recent Metro game. I think it's Last Light. Um, and uh, I, I'm downloading the new Modern Warfare battle royale right now um and i have that's pretty much it i've been doing shooters i haven't had time for a lot of indies lately uh but that's it for me mac why don't you tell us what the people in the chat have been doing all right so mets girl is uh watching the mandalorian good choice and uh has been playing ai dungeon uh from galvatron we've got recommendation from castlevania season three gotham season four through five could barely get through it gotham is bad so that's the opposite of a recommendation there um let's see where who said it? gotham's bad i'm just curious gotham season four through five is bad apparently galvatron oh, says I've only, it i only watched the first season and it was great but i haven't gotten farther than that um spencer confidential on netflix uh no wonder they sold this to netflix it would have flopped hard in the theaters so again no recommendation there 
Uh, Rolf's playing RimWorld. Uh, let's see, the DLC, Slay the Spire, Europa Universalis 4, and some Ikaruga. Um, let's see here. Uh, Ishmobile's playing Insurgency, Sandstorm, and Subnautica with the kids, and he's watching The Expanse. And Galvatron, meantime, is playing Modern Warfare, Control, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Borderlands 3. Um, and he's disappointed because they had seven years to make it better than Borderlands 2, but Borderlands 3 just isn't. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and Galvatron says, watch Knives Out, and it's better than Jojo Rabbit. I'll be the judge of that. And Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. I went to go see Ford v. Ferrari while I was in Milwaukee, and I thought it was very average. What'd you think about it, Galvatron? I think we got some more from Ralph just now, Mac. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, that's just uh, both oh, Borderlands just were really nice co-op. Can't wait until people are up for, for three. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to Two Nerds in a Pod, episode number 130. We will be back next week uh, for episode 131 here on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Pacific, and other places, other times, and other time zones. Um, we'll see you next week. Keep it nerdy, y'all. Deuces. See ya. <laughs>